back to Uncovering Possibilities. My name is Ogechi Kazu, and I'm here with Mike Labrius, a.k.a. Bro, it's Mike. It's Mike, yeah, bro. It's All right, cool. Can you introduce yourself to our audience, yeah. people who might not know you? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, my name is Mike Labrius. I'm currently in the second year of the DMA Wing Conducting here at the University of Texas. I taught for four years high school band and orchestra in uh, Tampa, Florida at Hillsborough High School from 2015 to 2019. After that time, I decided to get my master's degree in conducting uh, at the University of South Florida, which is also where I got my undergrad. Halfway through the first year of my master's degree, uh, COVID hit. That second year was kind of like, I don't know what's gonna happen next, you know? So what, what I was venturing through every single possibility, applying for jobs in Texas, applying for jobs all throughout Florida, even considered some military gigs, you know, military auditions. But um, I had applied to one grad school uh, for the DMA program, and that was this place. One of my uh, mentors from my master's degree, who also works here now, Strange. which is pretty cool. Yeah, that's that very, very cool. Very... Uh, we had conversations about, you know, going on to, to DMA and, and just seeing what that would be like. And so I was like, I really only want to go to one place. And if it doesn't work out, then, you know, I'll find something else to do. So uh, it ended up working out. But yeah, I've, I've entered this place and I've, I've gotten to meet a lot of people and uh, learn a lot of new things about myself and, and about, you know, how the world works. Um, I mean, obviously we still have a lot to learn and I still have a lot to learn, but that's kind of how I got here. That's what's up. So Florida boy in Texas. Florida boy. Florida how, how is the man in Texas? Whoa, wait. So like, t- tell me like how it's been different. Like I, I want to kind of talk about this. Sure. Like you had your teaching time in Florida primarily, and you've been here for a couple of years now. And just like the culture, the environment, people, like what what are what are some big things that maybe stand out to you? Yeah, similar and different. Well, being around Central Texas and seeing how many faculty members mm-hmm. are on like a even just a public school, like a like a middle school, high school, there's like three or four band directors sometimes. Right, you know. I was the only music teacher when I was teaching. Oh. So I had two concert bands, one orchestra. I taught after school jazz band. Uh, I was obviously I had a marching band and a marching band staff that I hired, but I was like where the buck stopped, you know? Right. And so when it came to decisions for the program, I would have myself to consult, maybe my boosters and, you know, my admin, yeah. but I was prepping, you know, 12 pieces for assessment in the spring, like consistently. So Wow. I mean, for the people in our audience who aren't music educators, sure. so you're coming from you know, a state where maybe they didn't pump as much like resources into the, like you're saying, the staffing. So you're the only person there. Yeah. You come to Texas and you're saying like four and five men, yeah. six men staffs in some cases. Right. And, and yeah, that's, it's quite, it's, different. yeah, it's very different. And there's like a, there's a culture for community in music. It's not just the band directors, but there's also private lessons teachers and studios that all of these students get to interact with, you know, and there's it's just a great opportunity. And I think that's like, it's fantastic, but you know, not everybody has the same kind of resources, but I think there were different ways that I try to incorporate some of that model when I was, when I was teaching high school. I mean, like I brought in private lessons teachers, yeah. there was like a woodwind day and a brass day. And that's something that I got from one of my mentors from, from when I was student teaching. It was like, he would bring in private lessons teachers because he also was trying to model this same exact thing. There was like a day where, it would literally be you go out and do master classes and it would, they would just work on fundamentals. You know, it was group lessons, right. but it wasn't individual, but it was still better than nothing, you know, because when you think about it as a music educator, a lot of those students aren't taking private lessons. You know, I, I had a good amount of students taking private lessons, but 
for a lot of those students, I was the music education. I was it, you know? So who is the person to tell them pedagogical things? You, <laughs> right. You know, that's man. I, you know, and I wanted to bring that up to establish that you are like you, your expertise is in music education yep. and you're, you're an extremely talented, talented and smart and intelligent and thoughtful educator and that, I, that I very much admire. But the reason we're here today <laughs> is to talk to you about something else that you've kind of established yourself in, okay. which is social media. I've been on it for a while mm-hmm. and I had just been a consumer of it. Right. Um, so I had scrolled through reels like everybody else does, scrolled through TikToks like everybody else does, and it was critical mass consumption was during COVID, obviously. So <laughs> like much of Yeah, like yeah. like a lot of us. Right. And we all kind of got into something to pass the time and TikTok mm-hmm. was kind of the way to do that. And so I've been on TikTok for about a year. Not posting anything because it's like, what do I have to say? Like literally nothing. So, I mean, okay, yeah, well, yeah, we'll get, yeah, we'll get there. But like right, at that right, point right. in time during COVID, I was like, what am, what am I gonna say? Nothing, you know. And so the way that I approach life is, mm-hmm. I start to try and figure out and reverse engineer how people do things, especially if it's really high quality. Mm-hmm. You know, when I when we when we all sit and win on some rehearsal, right? You know, we try to figure out and reverse engineer what professor's doing. You know, and and so that's always been a thing about the way that I think is like, how did they achieve this level of success? Success, And so I just started figuring out what was, I guess, high quality social media posts or what was like keeping my interest throughout those 15 seconds. And I tried to create some content in that market. You know, it was like, that is a very specific niche is conducting and band and, but it's also, it seems like it's a really big niche in terms of like, it's isolated. Yeah, who's gonna know what I'm talking about? But I also, over the years, have figured out that it's really not that big of a niche mm-hmm. because you think about how many students currently there are in the school band programs in America right now. There's a lot. And then you magnify that by taking a step back and over the years, how many people have been through the school band process at some point in time, whether that be one semester of it or they went all the way through high school, maybe, maybe even played into college. Like a lot of people have gone through school band and have that experience, shared experience. The traction I'm getting is because people can relate to it. I don't know. It just kind of like caught fire one day. That's a really good point you make about just some connection, just some sort of Mm -hmm. like even even one semester or let's say you were on the football team or basketball team and you had, you know, you know, athletic bands there performing. So somebody, everybody in one way or another has a connection and you're saying that your content is able to connect with them even if they have the most like cursory fleeting like connection with that's 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 a very insightful idea that you okay so what platforms are you on right so i started where where can people find you sure i started like stuff we usually usually say for the end yeah of course of course of course but uh i'm i usually make my short form content catered to uh tiktok and to instagram right Uh, I started on TikTok and that's kind of how this whole thing started. I mean, before caught fire on Instagram, it was, it was mostly just TikTok. I was just making videos native to my cell phone. You know, I didn't have a camera set up. I didn't have audio set up like, like you do here, but Mm -hmm. I had a phone and some ideas and that's it. That's how I started. I started on TikTok and I started just making, you know, things that I thought were funny Mm -hmm. and that evolved into educational content, Mm -hmm. like how I did things, you know, and I don't. I always try to put a disclaimer out there whenever I do something educational. It's like, this is not the only way to do this. You know, it's it's just the way that I do it. Mm-hmm. And it's just the way that I've found success. And because, you know, you know how the internet is. Yes. The internet can be a brutal place. Absolutely. Um, of people that are, you know, experts. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Uh, and 
I don't pretend to be an expert. I just say, this is what has worked for me. Right. You know, and if you choose to take that as information, then great. Okay. So you said you started, you know, putting stuff that was more kind of personal to you, stuff that you thought would connect. But when did you really decide and why did you decide that your presence could be used for more? Uh, and when I, I say more in quotation, because I mean, I don't, I don't know exactly what that more is for you, but. So yeah. I've just been creating TikTok videos <clears throat> for the better part of a year. I mean, when I started January 21. Hey. Wait, hold on. No, not 21, 22. So it so was this is just like a year ago. Yeah. Well, because uh, I mean, all of fall uh, in my first year here. Okay. I didn't really do any oh, TikToks. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like I was at home in Florida over winter break and then I was just scrolling through one day and I decided to just make a video one day. Right. Because I was bored. Right. And it kind of spiraled into me just consistently putting out videos. And it was I wasn't trying to become TikTok famous. Right. I wasn't trying to, you know, be an influencer or anything like that. That's just kind of how, how it happened. But mm -hmm. yeah, I started making all these videos um, and eventually I just wanted to create something that was I guess relatable to people but also put information out there because I've, i figured you know i learn a lot of stuff from mm. these shorts and, and so, stuff that i wouldn't have thought of before or somebody just put some information out there that i'm like oh, i've never thought of it like that right so i was like what would that look like for band for conducting you know because i think about how information is disseminated in academia mm -hmm. and it's like you hear something one time in class and then it's gone unless you write it down or and then even then, when you try to remember it, it's like all these different filters through that information. But I decided to put out educational content because I want more people to understand what we do. That's really cool. So this is like maybe another avenue for your music education sure. like, and, and how you can connect with people and you yeah. teach in, in some a, regard. In a sense, it's it's like ad, advocacy. I mean, because mm -hmm. I've gotten messages from folks that are not directly related to the medium at all. I got a phone call from from somebody uh, just this past week when I was in Houston for for like a, like a powerlifting competition mm -hmm. to watch my coach. But like I got a phone call from, from this person who was like, Mike, I just wanted to tell you that one of my friends that has nothing to do with music mm -hmm. caught one of your reels on Instagram and said, I love watching this guy. Oh, that's and I was like, so cool. All right. So can you share with us? Uh, some people that have been in t touch with you, like some stories that maybe... Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Me being a Filipino-American, like I've gotten lots, actually, like lots of messages about, oh, thank you for, because representation matters, you know, and this is something that I experienced, you, you experienced. Yeah. Like at the Dallas Winds when yeah. you were conducting a fanfare, I mean, that memory is like ingrained in me because those students were so excited to see you up there doing something that they thought to be really cool. Yeah. And so I've gotten messages from Filipino Americans, from music major students that are Filipino or like people from the Philippines too. Like me wearing a barong for a concert was crazy. Yeah. Uh which again isn't crazy on that side of the world, but me doing it in America and representing the culture had I think significant impact. Mm -hmm. And I think representation does matter. Because when I was growing up, I didn't really have that. You know, mm -hmm. my band directors were largely white, mm -hmm. you know, males. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I I was missing something uh, like a model, you mm -hmm. know, and a, and a role model of somebody who looked like me doing what I wanted to do. So at CBD Nay, for example, 
was really, really lucky to see two of my former students perform um, at, at UGA. There was one of my former students was performing in the conducting workshop um, that, that they were holding at CBDNA. Uh, and one of my other students was performing with Frostwood Ensemble. And it was so rewarding to see them, but they're both Asian American. And we, you know, decided to meet up after the Frost concert and just take a picture, you know, just because like they're my former students and really proud to see what they're doing nowadays um, and enjoying music. And they both sound great, you know. Yeah. Um, but one of them, you know, just said this off the cuff and was just like, I didn't appreciate having a Southeastern Asian band director as much as yeah. I should have when I was in high school. And I was like, whoa. That like hit me pretty hard. Yeah. Because I was like, uh, that's crazy. Yeah. But also, it kind of reaffirmed both my like social media ventures and and like doing what I want to do and being me doing it. You know, there's not any kind of thing that I want to conform to. I just want to be Mike and I want to fully embrace my culture because, and I'll say this, and this is really sad to say and when I think about it too, is like when I was going through band in high school, it's not that it's not that I felt unsafe being being myself culturally. It's just there wasn't a lot of people that looked like me that had the same culture as me. And so I just kind of assimilated because I was, you know, I was young. I didn't know. And I didn't fully embrace my Filipino culture until like I grew up and I feel like I'm catching up on that. And so I'm doing all of this because I don't want somebody else to go through what I went through. Cause when I look back at it, it's like kind of messed up because I, I didn't deny that part of my culture. I just didn't let it shine. It be, I didn't let it be part of me. But the other kind of messages that I get are from teachers or from people who are like really inspired. Even just being at Midwest or Team EA where people recognize me and they say they really enjoy my content or they say that I'm like really inspiring. I'm not looking for that kind of validation, although it's really nice. Whenever somebody gives me a message like that, I say, thank you for the kind words. That's like the first thing I say, no matter who says it to me, because it's they're really kind words. I mean, I, I really appreciate you know, you watching the videos and being inspired by them. I don't want to have an inflated sense of self. I just want to keep doing what I'm doing. And so, you know, I don't want to deflect somebody's like compliments either. Absolutely. So I think with that, there have been upcoming music educators or like people that are student teaching that have asked me to, you know, Zoom with them and give them some advice or add somebody you know, that was going for an instrumental conducting master's audition, asked me for advice. And I've had like teachers, and one in specific that I can think of, sent me a message over Instagram and said, um, hey, I've been feeling really burnt out lately. You know, the profession just seems like it's bogged down with hierarchy and hierarchical, you know, structures. And I'm feeling really burnt out in that aspect. But it's really nice to see somebody being so passionate about music and passionate about rehearsal you know, even if I can live vicariously through these videos, like, thank you. And that's the thing, one of the things I really admire and appreciate about you, just how thoughtful and kind and caring and just about people and the profession of music and teaching. I mean, all the things, all the good things, all the ideals. How do you protect yourself from the criticism? Because you're, because you, that that's a real thing. Like, because yeah. you're just, you're like, you're you're very, very, like, you're an open book. And you're very thoughtful, but that requires a sense of like lack of cynicism, lack of you know what I mean. And and then you have people that just are just mean online because they're jerks. Yeah, it's easy to it's easy to be a keyboard warrior. Yeah, it's because there's no 
like repercussions. Right. There's no face to face conversation. Yeah. You know, keep the same energy kind of thing. Absolutely. Like, and I, I think I'm okay with that, to be honest. You know, because it's like, it's at the end of the day, I, I boil it down to text on a screen, mm-hmm. you know, and do I need to impress this person? Right. Not or really. They really had a problem there. Yeah. If they, they really should talk, they would talk. They to would, you. yeah. If they truly had a problem with right. it, then. My, my DMs are open, you know, right. just how it is. But right. but also, I don't seek validation from comments. I mean, that's what I said. That's why I said before. It was like, even though I get all these messages that are like, thank you for being so inspirational or, you know, thank you. I'm using this in my classroom. Like, I think that's great. If the people who are supporting me think what I'm doing is, especially we, we had this concept of um, when BJ Gupta was here, mirrors, you know. Right. If somebody that I really, really trust you know, like any my my colleagues in the conducting studio mm-hmm. said to me, he's like, Mike, that's kind of, that's not it. That I would seriously consider like taking something down or or changing the way that I thought about something because you care about me enough to give me that criticism, honestly. And it's like, thank you. Again, I'm not seeking validation from some user 5601825 online. Right. It's just, they have an opinion. They posted some comment and it's like, okay, I'm moving on with my day. Gotcha. You know? And so, also, you know, we're going to have CIS, uh, you know, course instructor surveys <laughs> right. eventually in our career. And people are going to be mad about something. About anything. You're right. So, you it's like, have to be able to. Take if it. I can take some TikTok comments and haters, <laughs> I could probably take some, you know, CIS. Right. But all that stuff is, you know, I say that in jest, but also protecting myself and protecting my peace. Yes, that, that part. I, I try not to let it live in my head, mm. you know. Those comments can't live rent-free in my head. They can't. Mm. Because otherwise, I would have stopped what I'm doing a long time ago. I have felt that doing what I'm doing has a much greater purpose than if somebody was, if one person was like, well, that's wrong, or that's, you know, it's like, okay. Yeah. It's one person. Right. Versus the views that I get, versus like all of the great and like complimentary comments, even though you can think about three negative comments way more. I just look at the objectively the sheer number of comments. Recently, we're talking about like within months of this taping, mm-hmm. your social media profiles have just exploded, taken yeah. off. Right. What do you credit that to? There's a little bit of everything kind of mixed in. I mean, there's luck, obviously, but uh, at the beginning of this year, like I said, in January 22 is when I started creating content, but that was like a part time thing. It was like whenever I felt like posting something i just posted it but as i continued to be on social media and lived in a space and gained a following i mean when i hit ten thousand followers on tiktok that was i think december 22 and uh, at that time i was like okay well i have a big enough following on tiktok maybe i should take content creation a little bit more seriously and so at that time i was like okay well maybe i should invest in a camera Maybe I should invest in a lens. Maybe I should like research some more about what good social media is. And so going back to what I was saying earlier is like, I'm really interested in what the best people at what they do. I'm really interested in what makes those products that they make good. Yeah. You know, it's not just, yeah, that person is just really talented in social media. This person is really good at making reels. This person is really good at making shorts. How? Why? I, I just want to reverse engineer that and figure it out. And so I'm really lucky to be surrounded by a lot of powerlifting social, like social media specialists. I mean, my powerlifting coach 
has 28,000 plus on Instagram. Wow. There's a few others at the gym that I train with that have over 20, 30, 40, 50,000 on TikTok and on Instagram. So it's like they put out content and that's really good. And I'm interested in it, obviously. So it's like, well, how do I do that for what I do? You know, because they have an audience that's strictly in powerlifting. And so how do I create an audience and cater to my audience but have the same kind of video quality, the same kind of like interest level. Mm. It's just in my specific niche. And so I started researching that. I looked up videos on how to keep a, a viewer's attention for a, for short form media, because that's that's basically what I specialize in is short form content, because I didn't start making the dive into, into long form content until really recently. The rehearsal snippets have done the best in terms of like getting traction and getting onto the algorithms because people are sharing them. People are interacting with them likes. People are watching them all the way because they're interesting. It's just me researching what what does well, how to format it in a way that's like consumable and important. So like you'll see all these little captions on my videos, and they're they're only like two or three words at a time, because that just makes your brain keep. It's like what is he gonna say next? What is he gonna say next? You know, it's like having captions all on Netflix. It's like mm. it's like well, I'm waiting for the next thing. There's a little bit of psychology into that, but also people are really interested, I think, in how the sausage is made when it comes to rehearsal and. You know, every single professional development you've ever been to says that it's about the process and not the product. But sometimes I guess a lot of people just post the product. Actually, this goes back to Team EA. I was walking around, you know, the Grand Hyatt. Somebody stops me and he goes, you know, I really respect your content because like you're not afraid to put it out there. And what they were talking about was like there's some warts in rehearsal because it's rehearsal. When I started making that kind of content, I tried to make sure that those videos had some sort of arc was there was a diagnosed problem, I said something, and then there was even a video where, I, where it didn't work, where I said something, it didn't work, and then I had to reframe what I said to get the result. And that was the arc of the video. Mm. And I tried to make that like story arc before I even started editing. I mean, that's basically my, my thing now is like, I would like to post more rehearsal videos about concepts that I feel like I know are contested. I mean, like Tyler's back here, and we, we laugh all the time about quarter note triplets because <laughs> When we first started reading the long-run concert band music, I think, this cycle, there was, like, quarter note triplets appearing in every piece. Were they doing the da 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 Yeah, it was just, you know, just yeah. ding, 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 you know, the clave rhythm. Right, exactly. That, that is such a funny thing, but, like, everybody struggles with it. Yeah. And, you know, going back to some of those comments that you were talking about earlier, somebody commented, like, oh, a college band can't do quarter note triplets. And it's like, that's not the point of the video. Right. Like, why is that the first thing that is just like, this is just me putting this information out there so everybody can kind of understand it. And it was just an exercise. You know, they can play triplets. But at that moment, I just wanted to unify how we were interpreting the triplet. Mm. So it's like, go inside and touch some graphs. <laughs> it's so true. You made like this kind of jump from TikTok to Instagram mm -hmm. To now you're on YouTube, we do yeah. long form content. How do you like tailor your content for each uh, platform? He's talking about formatting for sure for that. And, sure. Like I'm sure you're still learning about us, you know, about each of those. But how are those platforms different? Can you just like maybe touch briefly on? It's it's so strange. Yeah, it's so strange because some content that does really well on one platform mm -hmm. will not do as well. Mm. Uh, we won't get the same amount of trash and we'll give you an example sure I will say that there are some overlaps in terms of like what goes viral one that has had a lot of success 
uh, on TikTok immediately was the dynamics video where I talked mm -hmm. about the clarinets being like too loud. And mm -hmm. the, the quote of that video is one notch louder than silence. That video hit 1 million views on TikTok within like a day, maybe, maybe like even span of like six, seven hours. That was a, a lot of reach in a short amount of time. It still hasn't hit anywhere close to a million views on Instagram. What? That's weird. What? Yeah. yeah. What do you think that is? I don't know. It's the algorithms are different. You know, oh. for so recommended or for you pages are different. You know, the way that they disseminate that and and Instagram, I feel like because I still get notifications for videos that I've posted like way back, way back. There was that video that I posted when I first started cross posting. You know, where, where I'm finishing up on the Cowboys and Jerry comes and goes, acceptable. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is a hilarious it's video. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, but that was really the first video that got a ton of traction on Instagram. Was it because of Jerry? I think it's just because it's a funny video, but also because it's Jerry. Yeah. You know, because like he's he is just a funny guy himself. Right, right, right. You know, because he walked up there deadpan and was like, acceptable. <laughs> yeah. I had just finished the run of the piece. Right. You know, it was the first time I didn't memorize it. It was just like, acceptable. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I thought that was hilarious. But it's that still gets, you know, likes today. And that was... Uh, I posted that early, mid-January, maybe. I remember when you first posted that, and it did pretty well, but then... I reposted it, yeah. I reposted Well, that was... Oh. I, I posted it first on TikTok, okay. like, a year ago when we... Actually, in the summer of 22. Okay. I was... I remember when I did it initially, yeah. it was... I was hanging out in Denton for some reason, but um, I posted it then, and it got a lot of traction then, but, you know, every now and again, I'll repost a video that did well. Especially since I have a larger audience now. Gotcha, yeah. You know, and so I reformatted it so it was more consumable. And, you know, there was like this crazy effect in the middle of that with the horn trail. But <laughs> like I reformatted it so it was like more watchable, yeah. more consumable. Gotcha. It, and it took, it, it took off. Yeah. You know, um, but that video on Instagram mm -hmm. has like almost 90, I think it's got over 90K likes. Wow, um, I haven't checked the views on it in a while, but on this, on on TikTok, it's like way less. So it's different, you know. It depends. It depends on what the algorithm picks up yeah. and who it sends out to, because sometimes I'll post a video on the TikTok and it won't even crack ten thousand views. Instagram for me has been pretty consistent. Mm -hmm. You know, whenever I post a reel about rehearsal or some performance or like a snippet of my long form content, that does pretty well. Usually gets to ten thousand views. Sometimes it gets to a thousand likes at least, you know, and so it's just different per thing. And then YouTube Shorts is something that I've started to do just to increase my YouTube following. So I started my YouTube channel in January when I first got my camera, mm -hmm. and I'm I haven't been consistent with it, but I'm sitting at like 400 followers now on wow. YouTube. Um, but some of those videos, some of the long form videos, are getting a lot of play, like the Southern Harmony videos. I think over a thousand five hundred views mm -hmm. at this point. YouTube Shorts is like. I'm still trying to understand it, yeah. you know? And so the way I format each video uh, is pretty much the same. Uh, there's there's a certain quality that you should do with certain ones. Like with YouTube Shorts, I don't go anywhere past 1080p resolution. Wow. Okay. So we're talking about like technical things yes. that can even help push your content out. Yeah. To the algorithm. And uh, I, I, I watched somewhere or I read somewhere that mm -hmm. like higher quality videos on Instagram do really well. Mm. And so a lot of my content that did really well were were videos that I filmed in 4K and exported in 4K. Okay. But I'll export the same video in 1080p 
put it on the YouTube shorts and then I won't have to battle with quality. Cause I was, there was this weird thing where I would try to upload a 4k video on the YouTube shorts and like the quality would be so like weird and mm. like, like, so you don't need to worry pixelated. about the quality as much. Not as much just because it's like, you know, they're not meant for YouTube shorts at least are not meant for like you to stare at the whole day. Yeah, yeah. In fact, if it's longer than a minute, they're not even going to, they're going to post it as a regular YouTube video. So if it's under a minute, they'll consider it a short. We now sure have a lot of people who are like, okay, where do I start? Oh, man. You know what I mean? What advice would you give to particularly academics who might be looking to push their own expertise? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, in any field. I spend time researching this. Right. And if it's, like, important to you then and you would really like to get into it, you just got to spend time studying it. It seems silly to study social media but right but we live in a consuming society where right. we all that's why short form content has taken off the way that it has and that's why there's so many users on on tiktok so many users on reels and that's why a lot of instagram nowadays is reels and not just you know what it started as was just like pick your little pictures of your right. friends you know and it's like i still post those but for the most part people are consuming reels because it's like it keeps your attention you know and you're on the app for longer and mm-hmm. so there's there's that so it's like do the research um, learn how to video edit or have somebody that knows how to video edit know the capabilities of your camera mm-hmm. when I first got my mirrorless camera for content creation there was like so many buttons and so many <laughs> settings I had no right. idea what I was doing right. I mean I asked my again I go a default to my my powerlifting coach who you know knows all this stuff about cameras and I just asked him like what settings should I be using and just be curious about if you really want to do something right mm-hmm. just do the research on it I mean mm-hmm. I spent probably a day and a half watching YouTube videos about my camera. And you could even do that for, for like, you don't even have to have a mirrorless camera to do all this. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, I'm releasing a video pretty soon about how to, how to record conducting footage. Cause I get that question a lot mm-hmm. is how do you record your footage for conducting rehearsal and performance? And so I went through and made a video on just that mm-hmm. about, I didn't start using you know a mirrorless camera i started with my phone i started with you know simple camcorders like this you just need to know the capabilities of the camera and again when i was only using my phone i researched the capabilities of my iphone camera and i figured out you know how to control exposure i had to to figure out you know autofocus and all that stuff like there's huge capability in your pocket that a lot of people just don't understand like the depth behind their camera and the phone and how powerful it is yeah so just look it up i want to say the thing about you that's so like attractive is just your authenticity Mm. can i can we can you talk a little bit about that when i post content from rehearsal Mm -hmm. i'm not going off a script Mm. like it's just i can't Mm -hmm. that would that would come off as inauthentic yes i take snippets from rehearsal like and i just post like interesting or yeah i think that would be funny yeah right yeah. i mean even when i did that short reel when jerry was uh doing nobles and mystic shrine mm-hmm. last semester mm-hmm. uh, he didn't he didn't have a script and he was i was just recording him he's one of one and yeah yeah, yeah. He, he is one of one for sure yeah. but there are plenty of conductors in the band realm yeah um that are so interesting at rehearsal yes that if and i've thought this too it's like what if somebody just had a camera on them yeah because when i posted that Nobles and Mystic Shrine video on the DT Band's Instagram. I had so many comments that were like, can we get more of this? I, I was, okay, we seriously do need to just have a, oh, I know. I mean, people just need to see that man in action. Yeah. 
you know, there are pieces that start off, you're like, I don't know how he's going to do this. I don't know how this is going to end up the way it's going to end up. There are so many. There are so many just like incredible rehearsers, incredible conductors that are way better than me. Yeah. Not putting out content because, you know, it's not anybody's fault. Right. There's just just something that they. Right. It's just not something that they're too. Right. They're not tuned to doing. I think it's important for us to kind of demystify the rehearsal process. It's not just about. All right, here's a concert after everybody. Uh, you know, it's 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 not right. It's not that right. It's it's about enjoying the process, enjoying the music, and that that's genuinely what I do when I'm on the podium. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't necessarily get into the nitty gritty about about all right. Well, we're not all articulating that the same way. You know, you're a little bit longer than this way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I think sure, there's there's value to that. I try high school band. Right, I I get it. I've I've played with drones before. I've I've yeah. had the metronome on. I've done all that. I don't know. I have a way more fun just having the image yeah. up here. Yeah. And then trying to like play the comparison game is like what sounds up here versus what's sounding out here. How do I get this to you know? Right. So the the whole technicality of it of rehearsal is like, and this is like a whole other video. Oh, hundred <laughs> percent. But just approach you sure teaching as an art in and of itself everything that i've kind of ventured into mm-hmm. and have had interest in i've wanted to be good at mm-hmm. you know because there's an art at the highest level of anything mm-hmm. you know at the highest level of content creation there is an art to it mm-hmm. the highest level of music obviously there is an art to it yeah and teaching as well there are incredible teachers who may not have like the best conducting chops but there is an art in their rehearsal mm-hmm. there's an art in their teaching and there's an art in the way that they lead their programs are there any social media profiles that you personally enjoy, maybe that you want to recommend. There's a lot of instrumental accounts of just people playing, people making covers, people just talking about their instruments. I find those accounts super interesting because it gives me insight into those instruments. That helps me as a conductor. That helps me, you know, figure out what, you know, idiomatic sound is or even like stuff that's really out there, you know, like extended technique stuff. Like I love watching those videos Mm because it's like, I'm curious about it. And so I'll hit follow whenever it's, something that piques my interest there's like a recordings like so how do how do somebody how does somebody make audio recordings like i was interested in that so i hit follow on that account you know there's there's been plenty of musicians that even outside of the classical realm yes that i've been like that's dope yeah you know i want to hit follow just because i want to hear your like artistry i want to hear your interpretation on this piece and even though it's just like covers with stuff Mm -hmm. it's covers like reimagined into a different style Mm -hmm. and so i was like that's dope. So, you, so you're not limited, obviously, because I mean, we talk about the music outside yeah. of right what we do, right? So you're not limited. But even even people that think the same way that I do in terms of like, have you ever thought about this one thing and this one in in this one thing, and then it's like it's like a rabbit hole of just like the yeah. qualities of this thing. There's a there's a dude that I was following in pandemic time that I, I would really enjoy his videos just because he he'd be like do you know this song? And then he would like talk about one thing in that song. Mm. And then I would just be like, no, I, I didn't even think about that. That's crazy. You're like 10 minutes later. Like, yeah, I was like down rabbit hole. I watched right. like all of his other videos like wow. right there just because I was so Wait, interested. Who, who, who is that? Do you remember? Oh man, I, I can't remember the name. Like it, th- that is a, a pretty now it seems to be emerging um, sort of trend or niche of music educators online mm-hmm. who are, they're not just educating about, you know, band or orchestra, all the stuff we do. But just talking about music as an experience, you know, how to that that is an underrated skill. A hundred percent. Talking yeah. about music is yeah. an underrated skill, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I firmly believe that. I try to impart that thought 
onto the conducting students that are that are in you know conducting one and two here mm-hmm. because talking and being able to talk about music yes. translates into rehearsal it's not just about like this note is too short i strongly believe that music should be talked more about in terms of feel rather than the aural sense because and this is something that i got from omar uh when i took his pop harmony class because it's like if you try to listen for these chord progressions you're just not gonna get it mm. you have to yep. understand how one feels going to four how four feels going to five how two feels going to five you know that's that's a different two to five versus four to five different feel yeah you know how does the secondary dominant feel you know how does the supply chord feel in context and it, it might be even be a feeling that's outside of words it's just something that you yeah it's something that you recognize but yeah, but yeah and exactly you yeah. innately recognize yeah i know that motion yeah that's one to two that's two to five that's five to one i i strongly believe that people shouldn't be able to talk about music mm. like in that sense there's a really great video of jacob collier doing this exact thing mm. from like the most fundamental like five-year-old child yes okay i know what you're talking about harmony harmony yeah Yeah, he just talks about and it's wild when he's sitting there talking about harmony because they barely talk almost and they're just like vibing and and you could tell jacob wants to be really technical but he's just like hervey's just like on another level he's just like that's actually what i find most interesting about jacob collier is like how he talks about music yeah i find that to be the most inspiring yeah i mean music obviously is very good but it's like it's like the way that he talks about music. Yeah. That's an art. Yes. You know, because he's so in tune with like what this is mm-hmm. and what this feels like. Mm-hmm. Not just, yeah, that's a, you know, so it's four. Yeah. He's talking about, it's just like, listen to how this tendency note feels. Right. As it goes to the, yeah, yeah, he, he's very much into that. Is there any parting words you'd have for just anybody seeking to maybe occupy that space or enter that space? Anything that we have, haven't touched on? People have asked me for conducting advice. They've asked me for like the, like the person that, Ask me for advice going into like a master's audition. <laughs> I find this almost like a cop out, but it's, I feel like it's not. It's truly a piece of information that I believe everybody should just figure out for themselves. Let's just be yourself. That sounds like the most basic, like, reason is basic. It's because it's absolutely, it sounds like the most basic yeah. piece of advice. Yes. But I honestly believe, A, a lot of people don't know who they are. Yes. But also, it's like, it's not just about, yeah, I know who I am. I am Mike. But also, here are the things that I value. Here are the things that I like. Here's where I am in life. I may not be satisfied with where I currently am, but I know where I'm going, and I know how I'm going to get there. And that's, to me, what's most valuable. It's what I value, what I like, where I am and where I'm going, and how I'm going to get there. I just want to be me. I'm not trying to be what people think I should be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not trying to be what society thinks that I should be. I'm just gonna be Mike when we do what I'm gonna enjoy, and you're not with me or against me. It's just like I'm gonna continue to be in my lane and focus on me. Yeah. Thanks for spending a little time with us today. Of course.